0: sexual essence is so unique to us. It's like our voice or our fingerprint. And so it's like such a beautiful thing because someone is choosing to allow you to witness them in their sexual essence and they're witnessing you in that sexual essence. And the amount of reverence that can be brought to it between two and for women in this hypersexualized culture, right? The yoni in the heart get to be connected too. Here's what I feel is what women want and how women can access this. We live in a culture of hypersexualization, and it's like our sexuality for the gaze of the other. Hey, I'm gonna post this Instagram post, get a bunch of hits and it's me in a bikini and I'm gonna look so hot. And all of that is so superficial and almost like my value comes from how I look. And it lacks reverence for ourselves.
1: You're in for another treat with this episode of the Better Than Rich Show with Jen Vera. And we get into some really cool conversation topics around the dark feminine. Exactly. The heroine's journey into the underworld and the rites of passage and what it means for sacred sexuality and uh, some really cool topics like a, a rage party. What What is a rage party? My goodness. Uh, wait, wait till you start really uh, digesting some of this content by Jen. It is really cool. We talk everything sex. We talk masculine, we talk feminine, male, female, and uh, she has an expertise, uh, unlike uh, anyone we've had on the show, and uh, really taking a mature approach to leadership, integrating the mind and the body and the heart and sex. And she's a trained shamanic priestess and medicine woman with a strong business, psychological and somatic background. Here again, in another episode of The Better Than Rich Show. Welcome to The Better Than Rich Show with your hosts, Andrew Biggs and Mike Abramowitz. The Better Than Rich Show helps ambitious leaders who are on a mission to leave the world better than they found it, change their perspective on what's important, increase their income and impact, and systemize their life and business. If you've ever struggled with finding your purpose, have felt disconnected or distracted, or found yourself going through the motions, this show will remind you that what you do matters and will re-inspire you to chase your highest dreams. It's time for you to become better than rich.
2: Welcome back, everybody, to the Better Than Rich Show. I'm your host today, Andrew Biggs. I'm here with my co-host, Micah Bromowitz. And today, we have a special guest, Jen Vera, who's a dear friend of mine. Jen, how are you today?
0: I'm doing awesome. Super stoked to be here. Thanks.
2: Yeah. We're excited to have and you. I'm stoked for you to be here because I love kind of the energy that you bring. And it's been really cool to watch the journey we've known each other at this point, probably for six, seven years, right? And we both met each other at different chapters of our lives. I feel like I'm a different person. I feel like you're a different person coming to this call. And listen, I'm sure you can relate to looking back five, six, seven years ago at who you were and thinking, wow, I've come so far, or at least I hope so. I'm excited to get into your work because you talk about the dark feminine. I'm curious about what does that even mean? You talk about sexuality, sensuality. You talk about really being this powerful woman. You talk about rage, I'm excited to get all the cards on the table. But can we start with what is the dark feminine? What does that even mean? Part of me is like, that sounds scary, (laughs) you know, like as a guy over here, I want to hear more about it.
0: (laughs) It's like, what is that? I feel kind of repulsed by it, but at the same time drawn in. Yeah, the dark feminine. I didn't come up with the name. The name came to me. And my background is I was a high ticket sales coach in the business. I'm a very logical person, and I started to undergo, I feel like in pandemic years, the rate of evolution and transformation within each of us is exponentially greater. And the dark feminine came to me as, this is what you're doing. And I'm like, I can't market this. Everyone's going to think certain things. When I hear the word dark, it feels ominous, and it feels terrifying, and it feels scary. And what is the dark feminine? And so the dark feminine in my interpretation is it's kind of like mystery school teaching level so it really are the repressed aspects of the feminine if i go into a group of women in the personal development space these are women that are knowledgeable and experienced and i ask them hey what's what are feminine qualities they talk about submission they talk about nurturing they talk about listening, sweetness, these beautiful, beautiful qualities that the feminine does possess. And there's a part of that missing, which is the dark feminine aspects, which is the connection to eros and the connection to sexuality, but non-performative. And what I mean by that is not for the gaze of the other. That is access to our inner danger, in a way, and our inner power, our ability to protect ourselves. There is so much emphasis in the space of like feminine or polarity coaching or women's coaching that is just like, hey, if you want a man, if you want this, you need to behave like this. And it's, that's not the fullness of what a woman is. It's actually like the good girl conditioning that we've been fed this whole time. And it's teaching a lot more repression and suppression than actual authenticity. And the person that's safer to be around and to interact with, the woman who is a safe woman for men, for women, for her children, is one that can be radically honest with herself and say, I'm experiencing rage at this moment, or like, I'm not afraid of my sexuality, And therefore I'm not gonna do all of these different things that are shadow manipulation aspects in order to get what I want. I'm not afraid of these emotions or to state my needs. I can actually state them and claim them directly because I'm not afraid of myself. And so the dark feminine is truth and sovereignty. And from that truth or sovereignty, I can then choose to be kind and sweet. I can then choose to submit, whether that's to God, whether that's to my partner, You can't submit from a place of collapse or from a place of dependency. There is no submission to anything without sovereignty. And so the dark feminine is kind of like the roots of that tree for the feminine and embodying all of us. So to create safety, so to create more honesty, so to create more emotional intelligence with ourselves, with our children and with our partners.
2: Thanks so much. I mean, I'm loving the frame we're already setting here. Mike, what's coming up for you? Several curiosities. So
1: my first curiosity under the umbrella where you said went into polarity, we had Dr. Kelly Flanagan on the show, and he talked about masculine and feminine from his definition. And he defined it in a way where the masculine is like the arrow going towards something where the feminine is more of the arrow pointing to the ground, like we're stationary, let's feel into the present moment right now. So we talked a little bit about the energetic, where it doesn't matter if you're male or female. So when I heard dark feminine, I wasn't sure if it was just for women, because you said women many times, and I'm assuming that it's more geared towards women. But I'm also curious is, is that the feminine energy that a man can tap into? Or is that not? I'm curious on what direction I'm going. That's my really first question before I go into my like second, third and fourth direction of what I wanted to ask. Who's the audience for that dark feminine? Is it women? I'm assuming, but I don't want to assume I figured I would just ask.
0: I actually have had men come into my spaces and I have a client who is a man right now who wants to tune into his dark feminine. Here's my thing with polarity. I think that archetypes and polarity, I have a strong and I'm developing a stronger inner masculine and I have an inner feminine. These are teachings that are from Tantra, the lineage that I'm speaking of in terms of divine union. When we start talking about polarity, where did that even come from? And a lot of it, not all of it, like I don't know the history of the world, but a lot of it does come from Tantra, from that lineage. And in the Tantric lineage, we have an inner masculine and we have an inner feminine. And so the dark feminine is for everyone. And in my work, I love working with both men and women, and they come for different things to the dark feminine.
1: That's perfect. So the dark feminine, when I think feminine, I think a river. And then if I hear dark feminine, my mind goes to like a river that is raging from like the weather, the storm. I remember I was on a kayak trip and all of a sudden it's like the rapids are going at like crazy. And it's unpredictability of the river that can toss me around in any direction that could be really adventurous, but it could also be very dangerous all at the same time. And there's this unpredictability to it. So that's where my mind went, which I believe a man and a woman can both embody that. So if that's the case, okay, I could dance with that. I'm on this kayak in that sense. Why would it be beneficial for me to want to understand that part of me or understand that part of the river in this analogy? Safety or something else?
0: Great question. There's a lot of directions I want to go with the question. There's an explanation around it before I go into it. And this is also how the feminine communicates, right? It's like the context before actually getting to the point. The hero's journey, this is our masculine hero's journey. We're gonna climb up that mountain. We're going to achieve this. It's the journey external to us. The heroine's journey is the journey inside of us. It's the journey into the underworld. It's an underworld journey and it's a very yin journey. And yes, there can be chaos there, but there can also be the void. The dark womb space where there is nothing, and then all of a sudden, there's everything. It's a journey into the quantum at times because what we suppress, whether it's those raging rivers, sure, if I don't access that, you can be like, oh, this river is so peaceful. And all of a sudden, there's like this intense undertow that you actually never saw coming. And that's the thing that drowns you. When you know it's like, okay, I'm experiencing some rage right now. And when we know of this, when we bring the subconscious into the consciousness, even in our emotional realm, we can name it. And then we can be like, okay, I'm not going to, I'm feeling angry and rage right now. Instead of raging at my partner about the dishes that he didn't do when he said he would do them, I'm actually going to go into my emotions, express it and feel what it's actually about. Why do we do this? One, yes, there is a level of safety, but there's also a level of emotional maturity. I know that's not very sexy for folks, but... This creates sustainable long-term change where you're not bypassing anything. And I think a lot of times, because we have been so obsessed with the hero's journey, which this is the peak experience, the peak achievement. We're obsessed. We're a culture in our Western culture. We're obsessed with these peak experiences over and over again. We're like, it's got to be more, bigger, better, faster. And within that, the richness of life, the richness of a relationship is created in the little moments. It's not created in the big bang, like, oh my God, we had that honeymoon or that vacation. Those are definitely highlights. But if you ask anyone that has gone through a divorce, it didn't happen in one catastrophic fight. It happened in the little moments, a deterioration of the relationship. Why should people undertake this? So that they can create sustainable shifts that actually are creating body, mind, sex, heart coherence through their entire body and through their system that when they say this is what I want, it's what they want. And they don't have things going against them. They don't have the subconscious going against them. They don't have fear of themselves going against them and they can fully own it.
2: Yeah. I mean, this is intense and it's also really important. I was actually having this conversation with Mike on Monday. Okay. And we were having a deep conversation. I'm actually starting to get emotional almost thinking about it, but it was like, I realized how disconnected from my rage I've been. I'm very agreeable by nature, Jen. So, it's like, I always want to get along with people. I want to go along to get along. I don't want to pick fights, right? I'm the peacemaker. I was the middle child. The older brother and the younger sister would fight and I'd kind of like calm the situation. I don't like conflict historically. I'm working on it, (laughs) okay? I didn't realize that was a flaw. I always thought it was a strength. That's like... Oh yeah, I'm conflict-avoidant. That sounds great. I get to avoid conflict. This is fantastic. But all I'm doing is I'm delaying conflict. I'm repressing conflict. I'm creating undertows, right? And so it's that question around rage. First off, talk to us about this rage party you're throwing. You mentioned earlier, at least offline, you mentioned you're throwing a rage party. I want to hear about that. I also want to hear about like how can I integrate my rage. I don't know if you can hear my son raging in the background. He's screaming. But how do we use rage? It's like handling a firearm. How do we responsibly handle this? I loved your answer earlier around going inside instead of taking it out. The dark feminine actually takes responsibility and speaks to what she's feeling and what the person is feeling in that moment rather than repressing it. So I don't know if there's a question in there. I think so. Let's see what comes up for you. I'm curious to hear your thoughts.
0: Rage is so important. And so you're from the Midwest, right? Okay, so... I'm Mexican-Cuban like first generation. Chicago, in like Chicagoland,
2: but like the Chicago. suburb of Chicago. So it's not me like too. hardened by the city type. Yeah. Okay.
0: It's like Midwestern nice though, right? Like we have that. So right, of course. There, rage is such a useful emotion. And in our culture, we're taught to suppress it. And man, like how deep do you want me to go with this? When we suppress rage, it's as always when we oppress ourselves, when we suppress rage. And here's why rage is there's a reason our emotions are always honest. They may not be, what's the word, commiserate responses or reactions to what's going on, but they're always honest. So when we choose not to express it or to feel it, it's in our energy, no matter what. So you're not expressing your rage, the resentment is building and it's building and it's building. It's there whether you choose to go into it or not. When we express rage, In a controlled way. And what I mean by that is we are expressing it somatically through our bodies. This is the sacred rage, right? We're doing it in a way that is not towards anyone else or anything else, where you're not raging at your kid, you're not raging at your partner. That's not sacred rage. That's abuse (laughs) most of the time. And so unless they are a facilitator and they've consented to play a role and you're working out some healing stuff, that's not okay. And that's, so we suppress it because it can be dangerous. We suppress it for a lot of different reasons for our own trauma. We want to be liked. Our commitment to being liked is more than our commitment to being authentic or being honest. And that's When we don't express rage, it's a self-abandonment and we allow ourselves to self-abandon each time until it builds up and then we explode or something happens where there's such a deterioration, but like, it's our own integrity that's deteriorating. With rage, what does it tell us? It tells us where we're self-abandoning. It tells us where our boundaries are. And when we actually express this super primal emotion, we'll talk polarities again, it's like on this side of the spectrum in terms of kind of a primal emotion, like you could see a caveman doing it. And then there's this expression that we would deem higher that's on the opposite end of that, which is this ecstatic bliss or passion. And so this is also really related to our sexuality. Our ability to express rage is like also our ability to experience pleasure and our ability to come into different spaces We learn our boundaries. We learn where we're self-abandoning. And when we actually have a somatic experience where we express that, our frequency and our vibration, it's like we express it with such fierceness. We are no longer available for that thing anymore. And we can actually communicate with words and set the standards in real time with people in our lives or like for ourselves, like, ah, I'm in a rage because I keep eating chocolate every single night and I know sugar is causing me this. I'm just so angry with myself. And then when we allow it to fully be expressed, it's like, "Ah, okay, I don't want to do this to myself anymore. So I'm going to choose to make different agreements to myself. And because I've processed the emotion of what self-abandonment has felt like and the anger I have, it's alchemized to something else that can set new standards. That was a lot of information, but sacredrageparty.com if you're listening.
2: (laughs) It's good. And then before we move, by the way, just speak to that. What is sacredrageparty.com? What do you actually do there real quick? I am going to
0: teach people how to feel their rage through their body, how to access rage. Because I did not know how to access my anger. Like I remember talking to Dr. Brian Lum, who is one of my mentors. I know he was one of your mentors. And I'm like, Brian, how do I feel anger?
2: He's been on the show too. Ah. Yeah, he's he's like one of the best shows out there that we've had on the Better Than Rich show so far. So if you haven't listened yet, go back, listen to Dr. Brian Lum for sure because he's a mentor to both Jen and I and he's awesome. And also, I'm very curious to hear your thoughts. <laughs> go ahead and keep going there. So
0: I was like, how do I feel anger? <laughs> and it was something I had so much trouble accessing and in the past, I would consider myself very analytically heavy, logic heavy person. And it was hard for me to tap into my emotions. I almost had to sink into my emotions. I'm sure some people can relate to this where it's like, how do you feel? I don't know how you feel. I know how you feel. I can see how you feel. Let me think about things. Oh, well, this didn't make sense. It didn't line up. And then I would be able to access some semblance of feeling. The sacredrageparty.com, what that is, I'm throwing a party to teach people how to feel their feelings, (laughs) specifically how to feel rage, where we can go to the depths of it and do it in community and feel our rage. It's a lot less dangerous. It feels a lot safe. And I'm going to teach you like safe practices to do it with yourself. So it's a virtual party. And we're going to do it in real time and there will be a recording. I'm also going to teach why we need to do this. I'm going to talk about some of the stuff I've talked about here, like what rage does for us. And it allows us to be, and this is from a facilitator, Frank Mondios. I don't know how to say his last name, but he talks about being emotionally current. He is a facilitator with the International School of Temple Arts. And I love this term, emotionally current, because when we're emotionally current, we can hold an equanimity and a neutrality in situation. So it's like, when I'm responding to you about something, I'm responding to the issue at hand, instead of me responding to you from a place of, the guy that cut me off this morning, that thing that you did two years ago that I still haven't forgiven you for, (laughs) and I haven't talked to you about it. That's so important for the health of our relationships and like the health of our relationships with our children and our own health.
1: I really am loving this because what immediately came to mind for me is the Rage Room. And I had an all-female staff for one of my businesses. And I said, we're going to go do a fun experiment. And I call it an experience, but it really was an experiment. And I took them to a Rage Room. We went in one at a time. And we would go in, pick a song, and for the whole song, just go in there by ourselves and just break a bunch of shit baseball bat golf club crowbar your choice and just go in there break a bunch of shit and yell scream whatever we're gonna go on the other side no cameras no footage nothing just go let it out and we all did it and then we sat around in a circle like how was that experience they are like that was amazing i feel fantastic that was awesome i didn't know i had such pent-up shit inside of me to kind of release I said, great. Well, now we're going to go to the opposite end of the spectrum and we're going to go. We went to a park near that site and we sat in a circle and I put on a guided meditation by Wayne Dyer and we sat there and I said, once we sit here, we do not move. Are we all in agreement? And everyone agrees. And we said, I set the timer. It was 20 minutes. We sat there in stillness for 20 minutes. And I didn't know that it was in the midst of a tropical storm that was coming through Tampa. And during the 20 minutes, we were just getting plundered with rain, lightning, thunder, everything. At one point, I peeked just to see if they were still with me because I kind of broke my meditation in that moment. But they're shivering. These girls are like trying to fight through it and fight. It was a beautiful experiment. They hated me. So, on the opposite end of the meditation, they hated it. They were like, this was awful. I felt like I was going to die. You know, the storm is here. This is an irresponsible situation. I went to my journal. I reflected on this. I was like, did I really put these girls in danger? Was this a terrible idea? Whatever. And what was so interesting about what you're saying is the external emotion of the rage was so rewarding for them and fulfilling. And I got this out of me. And then this. Internal, what was supposed to be a meditation of going inner to the feminine ended up breaking them open even more. I guess the interesting part of what I'm trying to gather here, Jen, is, is there a healthy way through a meditation practice to experience the rage that we're talking about? I think that's what I'm hearing because the rage on the outside world is releasing it, but we don't want to necessarily just release it because it's only temporary. I really want to heal it, and that happens through somatic work that we're talking about. But that requires the stillness, which is almost opposite. Again, I forgive my ignorance if I'm missing it, but this is what showed up for me as I was hearing you talk. Again, I don't know what the question is, but maybe there's something there that you can pick on.
0: Your feelings are not here to be healed. Rage is not here to be healed. Rage is actually a super important component of our whole system, the emotional system specifically. And this is kind of where our conditioning comes in, where it's like, these are bad emotions. So how do I heal them? How do I get rid of them? And it's actually, when you start listening, when you're angry and you listen to what that anger has to tell you, and then you take action, because anger and rage, they're very action oriented. They're actually so useful because when we're like heartbroken, sad and disappointed, we don't want to move, we're sad. And then we go into like anger, like, ah, oh, I'm angry about this. Good. Then we actually do something about it to improve our quality of life. Once we actually do that thing, I'm having boundaries here. Beautiful. We don't trigger the rage as much. Our feelings are not here to be healed at the premise of kind of our culture. Don't be depressed. If you're depressed, here's a pill for that. If you're sad, it's like, no, no. The full spectrum of what it is to be a human being is to experience all of it. And in terms of the meditation, I think it's both for me. And listen, I am more meditation through movement. I'm definitely more tantric in my lifestyle where the mundane becomes sacred. Smelling the flowers is a spiritual experience and becomes like a meditative experience. Sacredness through the senses versus I think more Buddhist philosophy of this meditation and coming into and stillness is a part of it sometimes, but I'm not of that lineage of like go into meditation and that's more the Pasana Buddhist and then you achieve peace. And I also think men resonate much more with going within and meditation. I think that's like part of the masculine and I'm willing to have an exploration here because I'm not an expert in meditation because I don't do it that often, but yeah, this is a cool conversation to have with
2: two men. Yeah, absolutely. And I, th- I love the threads here. And, you know, we all have these choices. At one point, I thought I was literally um going to be like a monk. You know, go be... I had, at least I had a fantasy, right? You know, like I was really drawn towards the work of Eckhart Tolle. Right? And he was like my role model for a number of years. And then I was like, oh, maybe I'll be like Eckhart Tolle and uh, just live on a park bench here or whatever, like go to a monastery. But then I quickly realized I mean, that wasn't my path. And part of me was still like, oh man, I kind of wanted the, the Eckhart-like <laughs> character of the story. What it's not my path. My path is more tantric in nature. I think like the idea there is, you're in the world, but the in the culture necessarily, you're, you're above the culture, or you're you're seeing the culture from a different perspective, and then you're using your partner, triggering you in the morning, and driving the kid to school, and you know, doing your work um, as your sacred path. So it's a, it's a really cool path that I think you've chosen. There's so many things I want to get into. Um, you know, one of the things you mentioned was sensuality, sexuality. Um, I think it'd be for if we talk about sex, you know, you guys want to talk about sex, baby. Let's yeah, talk let's about you and me, brother. Uh, like, let's what? do it. All the good things and the bad things. All the good things <laughs> and the bad things. Hopefully not me and you. Uh, hopefully the, the visual of that uh, is quickly <laughs> fading from the, uh, the listeners mind <laughs> here. But uh, the uh, I wasn't talking about you, dude. Talk about <laughs> sex. How do you see it? Obviously, as men, the studies are pretty decisive. We're visually stimulated. We want sex all the time. Like fill in the blank. I think it's mostly accurate. Of course, I mean, we want connection too. What does the woman want, right? How does she view sex? How does she view sensuality? How can she get in touch with her sensuality? Because I think men also sometimes have a complaint, whether it's fair or not, whether it's caused by us or not, that She's not in touch with her sexuality or sensuality as much, or maybe as much as she used to be, or all those things, right? And how can we maybe support? There's several questions in there, but help us out here, Jen. Give us the goods.
0: Husbands, if you want to support your wives in embodying their sensuality more, have them come to my Huntress retreat in Sedona. <laughs> I am the Huntress.com. <laughs> Minor plug there. So, really great questions. And I, again, I'm going to speak around it before I actually get to the point to give context. In our culture, we're super disconnected from our sexuality. And what I mean by that is it's a hyper sexualized culture, but we don't have the connection of sexuality deep in our systems. And what I mean by that is, If you guys need to edit this next part out, you can, but men get to have their cock and their heart connected with sex. And a lot of times it's like, oh, scientific studies, cerebral. And yes, there is this primal urge. But when we're talking to the men that we're talking to that listen to your show, it's not just the cheap fast food thing that you want. That's not actually fulfilling. And when you're in a really good, like when you're having amazing sex, with a woman. There is a level of depth and connection, even if it's for that night or for that moment. And part of that is a man's own connection, like the cock heart connection, his connection with being so present, his connection to being of like, I want to give this woman's pleasure. And in me giving her pleasure, I receive pleasure. And it becomes this dance between two things. That's what really great sex is, where you're coming into a relationship with another person and another being. And one of my mentors, she works with the Deer Tribe, which is shamanic sexuality. She says that our sexual essence is so unique to us. It's like our voice or our fingerprint. And so it's like such a beautiful thing because someone is choosing to allow you to witness them in their sexual essence and they're witnessing you in that sexual essence. And The amount of reverence that can be brought to it between two and for women in this hypersexualized culture, right? The yoni and the heart get to be connected too. Here's what I feel is what women want and how women can access this. We live in a culture of hypersexualization, and it's like our sexuality for the gaze of the other. Hey, I'm going to post this Instagram post, get a bunch of hits and it's me in a bikini and I'm going to look so hot. And all of that is so superficial and almost like my value comes from how I look. And it lacks reverence for ourselves. And I'm not saying that there's anything wrong with being hot or being sexy. I have plenty of sexy photos on my Instagram page. But it's not for the gaze of the other. It's the energetic frequency from which you are doing. Because as a woman, we have access to pleasure, all, orgasmic energy all the time. And it doesn't have an agenda. The Shakti doesn't necessarily... I don't have to. I can feel like sexually aroused. And it doesn't need to go anywhere. I could just do it for the sake of my own pleasure, and that's that's the feminine sensuality. It doesn't need to go on this journey. It's just like I'm just sitting here talking to you guys. I'm feeling pretty good, vibing. I'm just gonna be here enjoying myself. And by the way, that's a gift to the masculine. By the way, you're welcome. You're welcome that I'm allowing you to witness my pleasure, and it's not from an egoic place. It's from my desire to feel good, and that automatically, effortlessly, through my being, through my radiance, is very fulfilling for the masculine because it's just like, oh, my woman is feeling good, and I happen to be here. And so I'm allowing her to feel safe enough and good enough and providing that masculine so that she can just be in her pleasure. I am the man. Yeah, like more of this. And it, what it happens is like it becomes like a nurturing connection that uplifts both parties. And I think when we talk sexuality, when we talk sacred sexuality and conscious sexuality, that's what we're really talking about. It's not like, hey, these are some statistics, bro. We need the visual and da-da. it's not a science experiment. It's like what well, you can't replicate with AI, what you'll never be able to replicate. It's that essence and it's sharing that essence with one another.
1: You're you're speaking to two versions of me. There's the masculine grown man version of me. And then there's still that eighth grader on the bus version of me that's listening to this too. I have a two-part question for you from both of those versions of my right there now. They're both welcome here. <laughs> <laughs> so the first one, I'll go with the mature question first. So you talked about the Instagram bikini type of photos. So if I'm a sexy woman posting bikini photos of myself, not the gaze of other people, but really just for myself, How do I decipher that I'm actually doing it for me because I want to feel sexy versus I'm doing it for the other people's eyes where girls are like, slay, good job. Oh my God, you look so hot. And the guys are maybe like lurking, not typing because they don't want to be creepers. So it's girls encouraging other girls. It's still the gaze of another person's eyes and the guys don't want to be the creeper. So they're not going to message or say something. Are they posting it for the view of their friends? And there's this secret club of women that are supporting each other and uplifting each other's beauty, or is it something else that's unspoken that maybe I'm not seeing? Because again, I see it as superficial, but if someone wants to just do it to feel sexy, how do they do that without the superficial aspect of it? That's the mature question. I have the immature question in a moment, though. I'd like to hear your thought on this one.
0: Mature is beautiful. I think that it actually takes a woman's maturity to be able to discern. Hey, am I doing this to get hits? Am I doing this to get likes? Am I doing this with an agenda? When we're like, the gaze of the other is, do I have an agenda with this? And if so, what is that? And do I have the ability to be radically honest with myself? Am I radically honest about my intentions? Actually, I feel kind of sad today and I want to pick me up. So I'm going to post this photo When you actually know I'm sad and I want to pick me up, you can actually be super direct. You can call a friend. You can be like, hey, I feel sad today. Or you can post it knowing that and being like, I'm going to post a super hot picture that I felt really sexy in. And that's going to like support me in feeling awesome. And when you know that, you're clear on what your intention was. And that also supports, I think this is also so good for the woman. No matter what her intention is, it's just like, When we have that consciousness, we can actually get what we want and get what we need. And anything that doesn't fit that, we can be like, oh, that's actually not why I did that. How do you be in right relationship with you? How do you be in integrity with you? And I think this is actually what the dark feminine teaches. The dark feminine, it is advanced knowledge in terms of the mystery school, the esoteric knowledge, because it has more power. The dark feminine, it's potent and we're going into... If I'm in my light feminine, the shadow of the light feminine, oh my God, I murdered myself for you. I overgave. Terrible. I'm in the shadow of my dark feminine. Oh my God, I seduced your husband because I wanted to get something. That has more impact. And so it's more dangerous to actually work with. It requires a high level of discernment. And sexuality is a deep part of the dark feminine. If a woman has the ability to be actually honest with herself, and that takes a lot, let's not discount what that takes. It takes a lot to be actually honest with yourself and can then discern that for herself. She only has to answer to herself. She doesn't have to answer to her friend. She doesn't have to answer to the dudes on Instagram. She doesn't have to answer to anyone else. That's sovereignty.
1: That's a great answer. And I appreciate that. And I'm now trying to figure out how I can ask the other question in a good way. But anyway, I'm just going to say it. So I think about The immature Mike, I can't speak on every man, but I can speak on the immature Mike. If immature Mike, young Mike sees a girl, sexy, beautiful, right? My mind goes to, damn, I just want to pursue that, right? That's young teenage boy Mike. And obviously, as I've grown and matured in my relationship and my marriage, that version of me, I wouldn't say it doesn't exist, but it's not as strong. Like The urge is not as strong because it's not fed much. So my curiosity might be is if the sexuality, the sensuality from a woman for her partner is being brought to the gym or being brought to dinner or being brought to these public places, Instagram, social media to get the attention. It's almost like there's a marketplace has get uh, husbands, get their attention. I'm not going to do anything with them. I want to get their attention. It's an attention crave from maybe that's, I don't want to say the dark feminine, but maybe it's the shadow of the feminine to get the attention of us men. So for me my coach, Mr. Biggs, at some point in our relationship was view the feminine as if it was your sister. Just you could embrace the beauty of your sister without having an attraction to your sister. And that has stayed with me for many years. And what do we do about that? What do we as men do about that? Because not as many men have the self-control that I have. Some people might be listening to this and they have addictions to porn. They might have addictions to cheating on their spouse. They might have some of these things that they can't view all beautiful women as their sister. I've kind of modeled for myself, but that sensuality and sexuality is not just an intimate partner. That shit is all around us. And that temptation no. is sometimes really tough. So what do you say to the men? And what do you say to these women that it's almost like a tease and the men, that's all I do want to do is pursue that. Again, just curious on that. And then we can start heading towards our exits and stuff. But I'm so curious. And I think your work is fascinating, Jen. So thank you.
0: Oh my gosh, my pleasure. So happy to be here. Okay, this might be controversial. Follow your attraction and I'm not saying follow your attraction with another person, but healthy sexuality is gonna get turned on all the time and God bless it for doing that. Thank you God for like access to our sexuality, our sex, our pleasure. And sometimes I will be around a person and I'm like, oh my gosh, I feel I feel turned on around this person. huh That sparks a curiosity. And I'm like, okay. And this isn't necessarily Instagram. I'll be at a party or something. And it sparks a curiosity. And it's like, let me follow that attraction a little bit. I don't have an agenda, but there is an attraction that I'm witnessing here. Let me get to know that person. And oftentimes we kind of see things in black and white sometimes where it's like, if I have a sexual attraction, that means my sexuality gets to be moved on. And and some of these sacred sexuality teachings, the sexual attraction is the primal, it gets to be there, it gets to be totally enjoyed as well. And then there's higher frequency of it that we can move into. And then yet a higher frequency of it. It's, it's like that kundalini energy. It's like moving that sexual energy up, but we don't deny our attractions. One of my teachers here in Sedona, one of my spiritual teachers, when I first met him, I'm like, oh my God, can I be your girlfriend? You know, I was just totally enamored with him. And I followed that attraction. It didn't lead anywhere romantic or sexual at all with us, but he has become one of my greatest spiritual teachers and that my sexuality was alerting me. There's something here. What's here? And in regards to the Instagram stuff, yes, men are very visual creatures, but it's also just that same discernment I'm saying for women is also the same discernment for men. There are higher beauty attributes to what the baseline primal attributes are oh my god this photo of this woman what do i love about it her smile is just so radiant it's okay for me to admire beauty i really admire beauty what does that tell me that tells me i really i love the quality of a woman who looks fulfilled and who looks happy or like wow i love that woman's ass it's just juicy okay like What are the higher quality attributes of that? Or even just sitting in the primality of that. Huh, yeah, that's really hot. And allowing yourself to experience pleasure, not from a taking point of view, not like I'm going to take from this woman, but appreciate that you are alive. Appreciate that there are so many beautiful humans on this planet and that they create a level of aliveness within. it. Because what is our sexual energy? What It's chi. It's our aliveness. It's vitality. And, all right, thank you. I feel a little bit more alive from witnessing you on that stripper pole. Thank you. And I'm going to utilize this energy. It's all discernment. Where is this energy coming from? Am I coming from, like, I want to take from the feminine? Or am I coming from... I can be in appreciation and reverence. And that also comes from the masculine heart-centered care for the feminine as well. And we can go create an experience together here. Does that make sense?
1: I love that. I'm going to kick it to Andrew in just a second. I just want to say, number one, it sounds way better when you say, oh, man, I'm kind of getting turned on over here. Like if a guy no. says that shit, it's like, get out of here, fucking creeper. You're, in. All, of course you're getting turned on over here, but when A girl said, oh my God, like we don't hear that often. So I just want to thank you for that. That was great. That was good. And
0: I need to say something about cancel culture and me too. And these things that men right now are dealing with in the climate when it comes to sexuality. One, I'm sorry. I feel emotional talking about this because yes, there have been abuses of power and also suppression of who we are and suppression of sexuality, I believe is super violent. It creates a lot of shame and it actually creates a lot more distortion sexually. It's not helping us in terms of the sexes of uniting and caring for one another. In this era of cancel culture where you're just like, yeah, you can say that, I can say that because I'm a woman. And that's kind of like a privilege right now in this time in our culture that I'm holding. As a woman, I can be more sexually expressed without coming off a certain, I come off in different ways. I may come off in different ways where it's like, if I post a sexy picture, I will get judged and be like, you know, she's a whore, she's a slut, whatever. Like be shamed, sexually shamed in that. But it's that sexual, sacred sexuality, it's a lot, feeling a lot more open and free for women than it is for men. And I just want to acknowledge that in this conversation. And this is why the dark feminine is important. Because when women have a level of maturity and discernment, they can take care of themselves and keep themselves safe. And they can teach their daughters to care and speak for themselves and keep themselves safe. And that keeps men safe, too. And so it's our job to caretake each other, men and women. The perspective I come with to this work in sexuality, we've lost the reverence for one another. In our dating culture, we've lost the reverence for one another. Like you're a sacred being. I'm a sacred being. I treat myself with such respect. I will treat you with such respect and care, even if we're engaging for one date. So I just want to name that and say that.
2: Yeah. Well, thank you for speaking that into the space. And on behalf of men, I want to return that where it's like, I'm sorry, too, you know, for all the ways that we've abused the system and made women feel unsafe or be unsafe. And obviously, we're representatives. It's different concepts. We're not necessarily saying individually, although I can look back at women that I dated. And for sure, there were times where I used them at the very least. And so I think we all have blame to go around. But I just appreciate the point of view because it's not a point of view that many women have been bringing into the conversation. And also, hopefully, we're doing our best to model what a mature masculine might look like as well. We always ask our guests, Jen, I wish we could just keep going, but we do have a hard stop here. (laughs) We always ask our guests three questions at the end of every episode. And these can be really quick hitting because we do have a limited amount of time here. I'm curious. The first question is, what do you think the world needs most right now?
0: Emotional maturity. Great.
2: What are one to three books that you
1: think people should
0: read? Okay, on the topic of sexuality, the Magdalene Manuscripts. It's kind of edgy, but it talks about the old ancient temples of Isis and the sacred sexuality practices that Mary Magdalene used with Yeshua, with Jesus, to support him in embodying the potency and the power to do what he needed to do to bring in Christ consciousness into the earth. Awesome.
2: That sounds super edgy and also super interesting. Final question. What does it mean to you to be better than rich?
0: Better than rich to me is living a life of devotion, responsibility through joy and pleasure, like so much pleasure, more, more, more pleasure. Yes. That's better than rich to me.
2: Awesome. Well, hey, this has been so much fun. If people want to stay in touch, you mentioned a couple websites obviously already, but how can people follow you and your work more if they're interested in learning more about what you're up to and just make sure that they're staying in touch with you?
0: The best way is follow me on Instagram, Jen.vera, V-E-R-A like aloe vera and I am having a retreat in Sedona. It's women only. It's a small retreat. It's highly curated and we're going to dive into the archetype of the huntress. So it's going to be really sexy and it's not just going to be about sacred sexuality, but it's going to be about like embodying our own inner predator and feeling so safe somatically within our body that we can be more self-expressed in all areas of our life. Highly suggest checking that out if people are intrigued. I am the huntress.com and I have a sacred rage party going on. You'll catch it on the replay after this airs and it's going to be available for replay. So it's sacredrageparty.com. If you want to learn how to dig into your own rage and do it safely and express it.
2: Well, fantastic, Jen. This has been so awesome. It was great catching up with you. We've known each other and watched each other grow in so many ways and just I love this version of you. It just feels like this is your calling. You're where you're supposed to be after being in that left brain so far. You're know you still using your left brain really well, but it's integrated. It's just beautiful to see. So this has been so much fun. Listener, if you've enjoyed this episode, it's your turn to share it with a friend and spread the good word about The Better Than Rich Show. Again, share this with a friend, leave a rating and review. It really helps people find us. And leave a comment here. If you have any questions, you can also ask us in the comments. And until next week, remember to leave today, better than you found it. We'll see you then. Thanks. Thanks for listening.
1: If you enjoyed this episode and you'd like to help support the show, please share it with others. Post about it on social media or leave a rating and review. To catch all the latest from us, you can follow us on Instagram at betterthan__rich and join our Facebook group at The Better Than Rich Show. Thanks again for listening. We look forward to seeing you next time. And remember, leave today better than you found it. If you found value in this podcast episode and want to go a little bit deeper with myself and Andrew Biggs and our community, I recommend checking out one of these three resources. Number one is join our community. We have the Automate Delegate Systemize Facebook group with over a thousand entrepreneurs and self-employed individuals who just wanna win back their time, who wanna increase their profits, wanna expand their businesses, and really spend their time on what matters most to them. So join that group. It's on Facebook. It's called Automate Delegate Systemize. It is a private group, but we would love to have you join. Number two is we have a free one-hour masterclass. And this free one hour masterclass that is titled win back 13 to 37 hours of your week every single week. By you taking an hour of your time and listening and watching and workshopping with this masterclass you will learn our three epiphanies to help you understand how to work on the business not in the business. Know that you can delegate and automate almost anything in your business and you could also build a system in your business even if you're not tech savvy at all. So I highly recommend you to go to systemize.com and enjoy that free one-hour masterclass. If you really want to go deep with Andrew, myself, and other business owners, we have a program called Operator to Owner. And Operator to Owner is our premier program that's 12 weeks long that will show you exactly how to use what we call the ADS framework. Going through the prospect journey, the client journey, how to onboard properly, build your staff, build the pillars of your organization, audit your time with a dollar per hour exercise, offload and delegate your under dollar per hour wage that you want to pay yourself, how to offload those tasks, and really how to buy back your time. Our promise is that by the end, you will learn how to leverage a virtual assisted team, whether you want to use our Better Than Rich virtual assistants. We have those services. You could go to va.betterthanrich.com. Or you can learn how to use your own virtual assistant team and hire offshore workers. But we are here to help you win back time, gain your freedom, and try to stay true to what it means to be an entrepreneur and why you became an entrepreneur in the first place. So. Take advantage of those three resources. We have the Facebook group that's free. We have the masterclass that's free. And then of course we have operator to owner and our virtual assistant services that are behind the paywall. And be on the lookout for our next mini course, win back your freedom and increase your profits, which we've done a couple of times already. And maybe there's one coming up in the near future.